Hey yo, what's up everybody? It's me, Joey B, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to the Free Snap right here. You're listening on the to the Free Snap Podcast, me, brought to you by Linestar, the top-rated DFS toolset and number one companion for DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Go Linestar Premium now at LinestarApp.com. Now, here are your hosts, fantasy football experts, Joe Pizzapia and Chris Meany. Are you ready to start going down south and talking about these teams here? Oh, yeah, yes, I am ready to go down south. Um, the weather is still north here, but uh, warm north here, but I still love the south. And you know what? I like these two divisions. I know the AFC seems a little, uh, but there's some ex- there's some exciting players there. Definitely the NFC south has a lot to offer from a DFS standpoint. All right, so Indianapolis Colts here, Chris. Let me tell you, I mean, this was earth shattering, shocking news and the ripple effects go pretty deep in fantasy. That's for sure. So now we've downgraded from Andrew Locke to Jacoby Brissett. Who knows? Maybe Chad Kelly gets a shot. Who knows how things will go as the season drags on here. But you've taken guys like T.Y. Hilton. You've taken guys like Marlon Mack, who had good, solid fantasy value. And now I think you have to downgrade them. You just have to. Now, here's the question. As we go on here, are they going to get so downgraded where do they start to become values in tournaments? Do they start to become values because the pricing now overreacts potentially to this news of Andrew Luck walking away? Do you think there's opportunity here now that Andrew Luck is gone for maybe some Colts love in a different way than we expected? <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, everyone is so negative now on this entire situation. And, you know, from a seasonal standpoint, you got drafts leading up to the, you know, opening day kickoff. Everybody's falling completely down the board. T.Y. Hilton is not a top 15 wide receiver anymore. Marlon Mack used to have that RB1 upside. Nobody cares about it at all. So as the weeks go on, like week one pricing is already set. So you're going to get a value on Jacoby Brissett uh, against the Chargers week one. Everyone else's prices, if Andrew Luck and the Colts are Super Bowl contenders, because let's be honest, it's it's kind of where they were, at least in the AFC. Uh, they were one of the stronger teams there. But as you go on to week two, week three against Atlanta, which could potentially be a shootout, week four against Oakland, potentially a shootout, week five in Kansas City, going to have to throw the football. There's going to be some value with some of these guys. Uh, I'm completely out on everybody outside of T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack. Um, you know, I'm, who knows if Eric Ebron's going to be able to have that same rapport. If Jack Doyle last year was Jack Doyle, who was running more routes, getting more targets when he was on the field, but it was with luck. Uh, Devin Funches is such a huge question mark. There's there's some other guys like Kane who is not a rookie but didn't play last year, so he's basically a rookie. And uh, Campbell, Paris Campbell is another guy who you kind of have to downgrade as well. So it's unfortunate, but the, some things still remain the same. One, the offensive line is still one of the better ones in football. Jacoby Brissett actually wasn't awful when he was playing in 2017-16 games. Now, he only had 13 touchdowns to seven interceptions, 3,000 yards, but he did have 260 on the ground. He ran the ball in four times, had four rushing touchdowns. He has that sneaky little ability. He's never going to be priced up in that second tier. He just isn't. He's going to be one of those guys where, hey, today I'm going to punt at the quarterback position and I'm going to roll out Jacoby Brissett. Maybe I'll still take that shot with T.Y. Hilton as a tournament deep throw. Maybe that happens like that boomer bust type thing. That's still going to be in play, but you don't have to stack with Jacoby. If he can run around and give you 40 yards in the ground and throw for a touchdown or two, he's going to return value. And for Marlon Mack, I think people are going to be out on him too. Maybe it means a few more dump offs. Maybe it means a few more handoffs. Like, I agree with you off the top. You have to downgrade everybody, but I mean, if we're, if the price is going to drop where there's steals and values, then you just take that opportunity. 
Yeah, it, it's it's going to be tricky. You could definitely make the case for it. It's going to have some risk involved, too. But oh, I agree with you. I think the ancillary pieces, you definitely downgrade completely. But I I don't know. I You know, there might be some moments and some shots to take with Brissett, some shots to take with T.Y., some shots to take with Marlon Mack in there. Uh, it's the it's the Dion's, it's the uh, Paris's, it's the Devin Funches, yeah. it's all those guys that kind of just they go by the fade into the black. Just... Yeah, they they fade for me just because you just don't know. The unknown is a scary thing in DFS. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even from yeah. a tournament standpoint, the unknown uh, is a scary thing, and I think the possible becomes now a bit limited, and that's the problem: is the possible becomes limited. Um, let's transition to the Houston Texans, another team that has had uh, some certainly. Uh, how do I put this? Some uh, remodeling to do, I guess, I guess, after the Lamar Miller injury. He's out for the year. Terrible news for them, uh, which would have been a safe running back yet again. A guy, 950 yards, half a dozen touchdowns, somewhere in that range. Now he's gone. So now we go from Duke Johnson as like, oh, we like him as a flex play to, oh, well, do we like him as more of a flex play, especially in the PPR? Do we have more love for Duke Johnson or are they possibly going to put him in a situation where maybe he's a little stretched too thin? and gets exposed a little bit. So what's your take here? Let's start with the running game of the Houston Texans and this Lamar Miller news. Yeah, very, this is brutal for, for Houston, for sure. Um, this is a team that I, I wonder, I, I, I'm, I, man, they've had a lot of just injuries over the past couple of years. The offensive line is not great. Watson gets hit a lot. We know about Fuller. Kiki QT has only been in the league for, for a year in his battle through injuries and again in preseason. So for the running backs, Lamar Miller was actually one of my favorite guys to use in cash. And people have been listening to this like, what? He's a bomb. Like, that's just the narrative on him that he's a bomb and he's in the ceiling is not high, but he's catching balls out of the backfield. He was getting 15 to 20 touches. He was the goal line back there. He was always so cheap that he was like that kind of punt play at running back where you can just make things work with your lineup by putting in Lamar Miller, you get to a point where yeah, maybe he can get me 15, 20 fantasy points and I'll move on be happy with that. As for Duke, I mean, this is somebody who had 40 carries last year, 82 the year before that. I mean, he hasn't topped 82 since his rookie year at 104. We know about the threat. He is like a threat in the air, 100%. I mean, 61 catches, 53, 74, 47 is last, is only four years in the NFL. I just don't feel like he's that guy that they can give the ball 15, 20 times on the ground to. I just, I know he's not as small as what people think. I mean, he is, he's a big boy, 5'9", 210 is not you know, super small. I just don't really feel like he's built that way. So I think Houston has to do something. I think they have to get another back. It remains to be seen what they'll do. But for Duke, especially early on, I think he's somebody you're going to be able to play in cash. I think it'll be pretty chalky in tournaments, but his price, you know, off the get-go is is priced as if he was, you know, the fourth string back in Cleveland. <laughs> you know, honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. yeah he's moved that's... over and he's in a gold situation right now. Ownership will be high. And look, DeAndre Hopkins is, in my opinion, the best wide receiver on the planet. He's my favorite one. Him and Watson should be a very good cash game duo. Yes. Uh, Watson and Fuller should be a pretty good tournament duo because Will Fuller is on the field. He's catching touchdowns. That's what he does. So he's always a good return there. They don't really use the tight end. I know people love Kiki QT, but he's another one like Fuller can't stay healthy. So it's Hopkins, it's Johnson, it's Watson and Fuller. If he's on the field for me, yeah. that's how I kind of look at this squad. And, you know, the defense will have its moments, too, depending on especially if there's a weak line. You know, J.J. Watt will run wild some days. So keep that in mind as well. Is there anything else here with the Texans that you're intrigued by? Or uh, is it pretty much, you know, those guys? Is it Watson Hopkins and then Watson Fuller if you're taking a shot? Yeah, you nailed it. That's it. That's all it is. I mean, there'll be some safety with Duke Johnson and 100% safety with Hopkins. Like Hopkins, I feel like gets a... 
as I mean, you couldn't give him more of a boost, but honestly, looking at it, he's probably going to get a few more targets now. And especially if Fuller and, and, and Kiki are, can't stay healthy. We're looking at just Hopkins as the cash game guy every single week. He's healthy. He should, in my opinion, he should get 10 to 15 targets every game. And if he doesn't get double digits, like what's going on, it's, it's probably because Watson has been running for his life, but yeah, he should be the safest guy to own. It doesn't mean you can't play him in tournaments, but he's he, that's going to be a punch, one-two punch I'm looking forward to. And Fuller, again, like you said, if he's healthy, you can take shots on him in tournaments. But if Kiki and Fuller are not on the field, it's going to be a whole lot of targets to Duke and a whole lot for Hopkins. Yeah, for, uh, I agree. Yeah, for both of those guys. All right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars because we have to. I'm um, just going to put it out there. Um, <laughs> we got to talk about them. We do. And I'm, I'm not a fan of this offense at all. I understand Leonard Fournette gets a ton of shares and i get that that's fine he's gonna get a lot of touches but he's also a guy that can ruin your day because if he comes out of a game because of an injury it just ruins every share that you have of him all over the place he's very risky in my world i don't love any of the wide receivers i mean i like marquis lee theoretically uh i think dd westbrook theoretically has a lot of talent too i'm just not sold that nick Foles is the cure-all for this offense i'm just not i mean nick Foles is at a history of being mediocre I know he had a magical run. I know he's got some games under his belt where you go, oh, my God, look at that Nick Foles game. And, yeah, he could throw the ball deep. But you know what? If he was this good, don't you think he would be starting somewhere for a long time? I'm just – I don't get it. This is a team that I don't see myself owning a lot of shares of, you know, even defensively. I think they're going to be put in a very similar position to last year, which is a defense that was ranked top five going into the year but did not finish there when all said and done. Yeah, I mean, part of it was Blake Bortles turned the ball over and and even still like left him in tough spots. You sure, know, they didn't allow a lot of passing errors, but yeah, they weren't the same defense again after the quarterback. And there's some, um, you know, at least John DeFilippo is their offensive coordinator, same offense offensive coordinator when they first got Nick Foles in Philly. So there's going to be a little bit of a connection there. But you're right, there's not one player on this offense that you can play in cash, not once, and it probably won't be the case all year. Even if D.D. Westbrook emerges into a decent wide receiver. You know, I don't think you'll be able to trust him either. So, yeah, Nick Foles was good in Philly. It was, part of it was personnel. They they played to his strengths. They had a lot of weapons surrounding him, and they had a really solid offensive line. It's not the case in Jacksonville. So I agree with you, too. Leonard Fournette, you can't play him in cash because of what you said. You just can't because nope, you never know dangerous. if he's just going to get hurt or punch somebody on the sidelines like he did against Buffalo, and then he's out. Like Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, no, right. that's, that's things that have happened in his career so yeah. far. So not, no All cash right. game players here. On to the Tennessee Titans and Marcus Mariota, still the quarterback, at least for now. Um, not a guy that you get excited about in fantasy. Uh, Derrick Henry's a guy that had some monstrous fantasy games at the end of last year. I'm buying the workload. I think they figured out, look, the more he touches the football, the better he is. He's one of those kind of backs. Most of the bigger dudes are. They get into a rhythm, and when you give a guy 10 touches, it's not as good as when you give him 25 touches, and all of a sudden he you know, becomes this menace, and guys don't want to tackle Derrick Henry. That being said, I think it is also one of those things where you have to pick your spots here and you have to look for the weak defenses. And it's not a, oh my God, Henry has huge upside every week, but I think he does have upside again for some of those games. Like it's, it's, it takes a lot of talent to have those kind of games that he had last year at the end of the season. Yeah, you and I started to do this. We show were on one of them too, if you were. We were last on. Year. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that. <laughs> you, I started to do this show with you right around the Henry run, and we yeah. talked about game script and trying to predict game script with this team. That if they had opponents where they can get up and control the clock and be in it, Henry was going to have good games. And if they didn't, and you thought they were like, for example, going up against the Colts or going up against New England. It was going to be a Deion Lewis type game and go look at the game log last year against New England, 58 yards, Indy 46 yards, Jacksonville 238. 
Giants 170, Washington 84. Those are games that Tennessee were in. They can control the clock. They can control the play. They want to run the football. I agree with you. They learned. I think they learned a lot from the start of the season. So remember, Henry wasn't bad at the start of the year, but how can you do anything with three three attempts, three attempts, five attempts? Those are his first three games. Are you kidding me? So, like, no, it's, it's not getting any work. Deion Lewis, which I kept saying, look, guys. Deion Lewis was good when he was a Patriot because it's the way the Patriots used him in that specific offense. It doesn't translate. When guys leave the Patriots, I don't care if it's Deion Branch or Deion Lewis or or anybody named Deion, it just doesn't translate, Chris. No, it, absolutely not. So I like Henry too. I, he's I, I'm going to be in on him. I want to see how the foot. I want to see maybe you know how he does in the early bit. Maybe yeah, he'll be important. cautious. Maybe he'll be cautious and um, you know cast a start. But I think you nailed it look for defenses who cannot stop the run early. We'll see trends pretty early on in the season. Obviously they'll change throughout the year, but we'll be all over teams that can't stop the Speaking run. Speaking of defenses, too, Tennessee's defense is kind of one of those sneaky, decent ones. Also, it is. Just yeah. Putting it's that not, out there. not a bad fantasy no, squad. It, it's not bad at all. And then they've got their wide receivers, Corey Davis, who still has a world of talent, got a ton of targets last year. Didn't convert them all. I think Adam Humphreys is going to help a lot. I know AJ Brown's there too, but Humphreys is another one of these guys in the full PPR as a sneaky flex spot guy that I think could really bring some value there on certain times. I think he's going to be a safety blanket. This was also, you know, kind of the second half of the football season last year was also not only when you and I were together here talking about Derrick Henry, but also talking about Humphreys a lot. This was a guy who had a great finish to the season. And I understand it's not the Bucs offense. It's not Winston playing quarterback, but I think Humphreys is bringing a little bit of that talent with him. He actually had a shot to sign with the Patriots and he turned down and he went with Tennessee, which I think is horrendously yeah. stupid. But what do I know? <laughs> it was a little silly, but I think he's going to have a, I think he's going to have a decent season and he's betting on himself and an opportunity that he's going to get in Tennessee. And for people who are just new to playing DFS, something that I like to do in cash, I like to try to target slot wideouts that are going to get heavily targeted. I think there's a little bit of safety there. And I wouldn't be surprised if early on Humphreys is maybe even also Delaney Walker is a guy that will be able to trust in cash is Mariota's favorite target over the course of his career, those two guys being just easy completions for him where other guys like Corey Davis upside is there for sure. AJ Brown, just a rookie. We see a a nice little ceiling, but there's going to be some inconsistency from those two guys. So I think Humphreys and Delaney Walker are going to be interested and who knows, I'm sure Ryan Tannehill is going to start games this season. And And you know what you mentioned, you mentioned Walker. He's going to have a couple moments too. He's going to have a couple of those two touchdown games here and there. And it's another one where you look at, teams that don't guard the tight end well and you take your shot if he's healthy and he hasn't been healthy in a while we'll see him getting a little him and greg olson are getting a little long in the tooth but we'll get to him later uh this is the point in the show where we remind everybody if you're enjoying the pre-snap and you're playing dfs this year that you should subscribe to the show right now if you're listening for the first time go pause it subscribe and then hit play again and join us and go out and get your fantasy football black book 2019 Number one in fantasy sports on Amazon yet again for seven straight weeks now. And the DFS chapter by yours truly right here, Chris Meany. How about that? Huh? Huh? Exciting times. It's a great read. (laughs) It really is. And no, I just love being a part of it. You know this. I just love it. It's such a a stud lineup and and just great tools. And yeah, I'm a big fan of everything. And you know what? You can, it's, it's not too late. People are still drafting. Like people, I I don't know about you guys listening, but I I like to draft pretty late. So, you know, you get the book. Yeah, you get it on Kindle that moment. Exactly. That moment you get it on the Kindle. Boom. It's right there. If you have a Kindle, you don't have to wait. Or if you have Amazon prime, you get it in two days. Come on, go do it. Now we get to where I'm very excited because you get to the NFC South and oh, oh I want all the light. shares. Oh, I'm going to live light. here. I'm going to move down and have nothing but barbecue and people are going to oh. throw beads at me and it's going to be awesome because I'm going to live in this 
this division for most of the DFS season. I'm telling you right now. And I want to start with the Falcons because the Falcons play indoors or in Florida pretty much the entire season. It's amazing. The schedule. I love it. Matt Ryan, one of the best quarterbacks in DFS uh, threw for almost 5,000 yards, two of the last three years. Nobody seems to care, but me, that's, I just keep saying it all the time because I want somebody to listen. Uh, Devontae <laughs> Freeman coming back from an injury. I think he's going to be ready to go. I think early on he's going to be so undervalued. People are going to be wait and see. I'm not. I'm going to be aggressive early on Freeman. Are you with me, Chris? Oh, for sure. No, let's not forget this guy finished his RB1 overall before with Tevin Coleman hanging around. Like that was yeah. the year he cut 73 passes in nearly 600 yards in the air, three receiving touchdowns. He had over 1,000 yards on the ground and 11 rushing touchdowns. In back-to-back years, he's always been the red zone you know, option. It was always Tevin Coleman who was catching balls. It was Fre- it was Freeman who was rushing them, I and mean, that's not going to change. He's going to be the red zone rushing back. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. I love everything to do about this team from a fantasy standpoint, just like last year. And from a seasonal standpoint, Matt Ryan's my second quarterback overall, so I like him just as much as you, I'd say. So they're going to be passing from like just often. And you're right, the schedule. It's fantastic. There's a lot of dome games. There's a ton of dome games. And then all they do is play in either Tampa or Jacksonville or San Francisco. Shootout games with the Rams in there. Like, yeah, the Saints twice a year, the Bucks twice a year. Oh, it's awesome. All the Calvin Ridley, all the Julio Jones. I'm not as big on Hooper, but look, I think this is one of those trio stacks that you can go with Ryan, you can go with Freeman, and Julio or Calvin Ridley. You can go balls to the wall with this group. And I'm telling you right now, there's going to be – and the defense sucks. The defense is still That's freaking awful. That's the thing. It sucks. Yeah. And and Hooper's even underrated. Fourth most catches among tight ends last year. Yeah. I just think with underrated. Freeman. See, I think with Freeman back, that scales back. A yeah, bit. probably that's, does. That's yeah. my worry about that. And look, the, the Falcons defense is so bad. That offense is going to be out there all the time trying to score points. It's going to be a maze balls. You want all the Falcons. You can't. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers here. Cam Newton back from injury too. This is another guy I think is going to be a little underowned and undervalued because people want to wait and see a little bit with the injury. Oh my God, is he hundred percent? I'm aggressive there too. Uh, My question to you is with the talk about McCaffrey losing some of the goal line work, does this bother you? Because a lot of his touchdowns came down there last year. Yeah, a lot of them did. In fact, it's, it's funny. They all came in bunches. The, I think it was me a little bit. I I think the first seven weeks of the season, he didn't have a rushing touchdown. All of a sudden it was like, boom, 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 boom. He was getting them. And then, you know, Cam who likes to call his number, it is a little worrisome, you know, in terms and of And we got to believe but... Ron Rivera because he told us last year I'm going to use McCaffrey a lot, and he did. And he did. So yeah. he was a man of his word last year, which means I'm a little worried this year. Yeah, it. I mean, it does make sense. And, you know, like I said, Cam likes to, you know, call his own number sometimes. So I think a lot of these guys, honestly, besides Cam, Cam's probably going to be a guy that we can play in cash because he still runs around. I just love what they've done to the offense lately like they used to have benjamin and funches guys where cam had to make those throws those deeper throws and now they just have so many like playmakers where it's just get the ball to them and in open space and watch them go like cmc of course with dj moore curtis samuel these are just playmakers so i think a lot of this team for me I'm going to be targeting them in tournaments and I'm going to be wanting shares of everything like Cam and Chris McCaffrey is a stack that not a lot of people are going to think about. They they think of, of, of a wide receiver and a quarterback stack. But when a quarterback is dumping it off to a guy like Chris McCaffrey in open space, who's had like almost 200 catches in two years, 
that's a that's a that's almost like a mega stack that I want. That and one of the wide receivers. I mean, they're going to be an exciting team to watch. I think this year. Yeah, and in terms of Samuel and DJ Moore too, we know the talents there. Uh, do you have a preference in terms of DFS? Is it just whoever's cheaper, or do you think that you know Samuel probably most of the time will be cheaper and maybe has a little bit yeah. more touchdown? Yeah, I think I think Samuel will certainly be cheaper, definitely to start the season. That's how it looks anyways. Uh, DJ Moore, I think, has more upside. Uh, I like his role more. I think the ceiling is higher with DJ Moore, but Curtis Samuel's probably going to be that that sneaky tournament guy, especially early on, because he's going to be cheap to start. Yeah, all right. And, of course, Greg Olson's still floating around there, yeah. 110 years old. But, look, he's going to have some moments, too, if he's healthy. Ownership will be low. Don't love it, but there's definitely some upside there as well. Um, all right, let's move on as we continue to go through the South here. We're in the NFC South, and let's go with – Bruce Arians back at the helm in Tampa. He didn't come out of retirement because he didn't believe in those guys. Okay. He believes in Winston, which is good. Winston has a lot of talent. He's one of these guys. It's inconsistency and immaturity. And if he can fix those two things, I have a very high threshold still for him where I still think that Winston can be just like we talked about last year, bad defense. Winston can put up some big fantasy points. I think he's very capable. He's yet to have the tutelage of, a guy of the caliber of Bruce Arians, anywhere near him. This is great for Winston. This is the Esser get off the pop moment for him in his career. And the fact that the running game, I think, is a disaster. I wanted Ronald Jones to happen. It's not going to happen. It doesn't look no. like Peyton Barber is far from thrilling. So it's going to be all the Winston you could possibly imagine. And then Evans and my guy, Chris Godwin, who I think is going to catch 90 balls this year. He might even catch 100. Yeah, Godwin, Godwin in the slot. No Deshaun Jackson there. No Humphreys, who we just talked about. So there's there's two guys right there. And in games where Deshaun Jackson wasn't playing, Godwin averaged like 90 yards and a, and a touchdown. So he And there was like five games where that happened over the past two years. So he's in for a breakout. Love him. Mike Evans, 1,000 yards every single year of his career. Love him too. Jameis Winston, great fantasy quarterback. He really is real life. He has to get it together. And his first year with Bruce Arians, that may, that may be all he has. Bruce Arians is going to know right away in this year in his final, you know, before this is what year five for Jameis. This is it. He needs to, he needs to figure it out. And he knows that. And he's going to be relying on, on two solid weapons in Godwin and Evans. And he has a rushing ability to him as well. Six rushing touchdowns in his first season. So there's a nice sneaky floor there. OJ Howard seems primed for a breakout season, even when he's out of the lineup and he's hurt, which we've seen a couple times. Cameron Bright steps up is one of the favorite targets for there's again, this division is awesome. There's like not awesome. Awesome from like Tampa Bay's great football team. It's just a lot of fantasy goodness available here. So another team that is not great defensively worse than the Falcons. So going to be throwing the football a lot. Yeah, indeed. OJ Howard is another one of those guys, too, I'm very excited about this year. Yeah, should be. <clears throat> you know, outside of those big three tight ends, I think he can have similar games at a little bit of a discount. You're not going to get a huge discount on OJ Howard. I no, think everybody's going to be that second be on tier between, oh, after those first three. It will. It will be that second tier, and I think he's going to be a good return on those days, especially those defenses that tend to struggle uh, against the, the tight end. And we all know who they are, and we'll talk about more of them as we move on. So uh, let's move on to another team here in the NFC South, which – Last but certainly not least, those New Orleans Saints. Now, here's the thing about the New Orleans Saints. I keep telling everybody last year, Drew Brees on the road, not good. Oh. 217 yards per game, not good. Oh. Eight touchdowns last year on the road, or nine, I think it was, compared yeah. to 22 at home. That's a big difference. It's a huge yeah. gap. So real. you need to, yeah, you need to fade away from him on the road. I don't care. I know it's tempting sometimes. You see the bad team, and you go, oh, I wanted Drew Brees. And the, no, 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 don't do it. No. 
Uh, Alvin Kamara, on the other hand, this is the guy to talk about. Because, look, when these guys are at home, it's all the Saints. You stack the Saints. I don't care if it's chalk. It's right. My question is, Alvin Kamara was a little less efficient last year the more he touched the football. Does that give you pause at all? It does from a season-long standpoint, but not from a DFS. I'll, I'll pick fair. my spots. Yeah, I'll pick my spots with Alvin Kamara in, in what I think will be high shootout games. And when I say that, pick my spots, I think Latavius Murray is going to have a role in this offense. Now, Alvin Kamara still finished, you know, in the top 10 in red zone rushing attempts and red zone, you know, targets. So he, he can be involved both on the ground and through the air, and that's, that's not going to change. But when I look at the Saints, especially at home, and I see – Maybe they, you know, for example, they're playing Jacksonville and they're 12 point favorites like Latavius Murray is going to be involved in those games like they're not going to be giving the ball to Alvin Kamara 20 times in the ground. They're not going to give him the ball 10 times in the in the third and fourth quarter to run out the clock. They're going to be giving it to Latavius Murray. And that's when that's where I'll want to be involved with Latavius. But for Alvin Kamara, a complete stud. There's, there's not a lot, a lot to say. Like, 81 catches in year one. Didn't think he can back it up. 81 catches in year two. He, like, he is just – he's unbelievable. He's got so much playmaking ability. Like, 22 touchdowns on the ground in the first two years. Like, man, it's incredible. 31 touchdowns in 31 games. And now so, Latavius Murray kind of fills in the Mark Ingram role, or at least 80% of it. We'll see how – look, yeah. I wonder, do you think it's going to be – exactly the ingram role is it going to be less and i, I is think it's one of these guys maybe it's a sneaky good play in those games when they're at home and you know the offense is just going to go bananas yeah absolutely yeah that's what i was i was you know alluding to when they when they play a team like again i said jacksonville but yeah when they play a team when they're going to be heavy home favorites they're going to lean on him he's going to be leaned on he's not going to catch a lot of balls in the backfield i mean mark ingram didn't last year i think only like 21 or 22 but the, the, the previous years he caught like 50 50 but Latavius, he's that's not his role. But when they're up in games, yeah, they're going to lean on Latavius. They're not going to lean on Alvin Kamara. He's not going to touch the ball 20 times on the ground. It'll be Latavius. Well, he won't do that, but right. he'll have games where he's double-digit carries because they're up, especially right. at home. Everybody knows Michael Thomas is a stud, that's yeah, for sure. But the other guy I want to talk about in this offense is Jared Cook. Um, you know, Trey Quan's one-off. You know, Ted Ginn's going to be a one-off once in a while if the yeah. matchup is right. But – we're talking about Jared Cook, which right under that Jordan, you know, that that O.J. Howard grouping of guys, it's right there where Jared Cook to me is a guy that I think could be very productive in this offense. Uh, one of the better tight ends probably, and it gets a bad rap because in Green Bay, yeah, they never hate on him. him. Well, they yeah, hit on him because they never utilized him. And what happened last year when he got utilized? Yeah, he was terrific. He was good. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> I mean, you know, you look at that stat line, you go, wow, that was an incredible tight end season. And it was. And I'll tell you what, there were a bunch of those dopey two tight end leagues that I took Jared Cook last year because I was finally out of Green Bay and it worked out really well. <laughs> and, it did. and I just I want people to realize that this year that Cook is not a guy you should sleep on in DFS because you're looking for tight ends. You're looking for value. You're looking for offense. You're looking for touchdowns. And I think he can bring all of those. And honestly, after Thomas and Kamara. I think he's the next best option. Oh yeah, he's certainly better than I don't. I'm not a believer in anybody else after Thomas in terms of wideouts. Like they're just there's too they're too inconsistent. Like Ted Ginn, you know, like play him in a tournament if you want, but there's better, you know, boomer bust guys out there than him. We already talked about one in the show, Will Fuller, but a cook. I mean, I'm, I'm sure his numbers might come down slightly in terms of targets. I mean, he was the only he was the only option at times in Oakland, but he's still going to be solid in this offense. It's a much better offense. Drew Brees has a history of utilizing his tight ends, even after like forget about Jimmy Graham. Like, obviously, he's a stud, but he made Ben Watson. He had Ben Watson had a career year under him. Like, he's not a great, fantastic tight end who has a great season. So Cook comes over. 
in a year that he had a career high in touchdowns, a career high in catches and a career high in yards. And I think he can flirt with those numbers again and he'll be an option inside the red zone. Absolutely. You want to stack saints. It's, it will probably be like a Camara Thomas cook or a breeze, like those mega stacks. Like you could, you can get away with those in DFS and tournaments. All right. So that'll do it for the South again, the AFC South. Okay. Some things there, but the uh-huh. NFC South, mm, delicious. All the shares. I want to be like cookie monster. I want to eat all the shares. Nom, 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 nom. All the like. NFC, all the NFC South possible. That's what I want. So you can follow us on the Twitter machine at Chris Meany at Joe Pisa PS 17. Of course, at line star app at line star NFL. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Uh, starting that first week, we're going to be here for two DFS shows and a wagering show. Mike Randall is going to be joining us for those. It's going to be hot. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to win you money. We're going to give you some laughs. We're going to give you some good information. And there's nothing better than that. So there's nothing left for us to do right now. The pre-snap is over. Now it's time to set down. Win. You've been listening to the pre-snap podcast brought to you by LineStar. Hit subscribe, tell a friend, and stay tuned for the next episode from fantasy football experts Joe Pizapia and Chris Meany.